0: Coming up on the KetoCam Podcast, we discuss GMOs and pesticides with Jeffrey Smith.
1: The microbiome, however, is far more complicated and essential than anyone ever thought. If you release a genetically engineered microbe, we didn't need a pandemic to know that they can travel around the world and mutate, but they also swap genes with other microbes. There's a trillion types of microbes. What you release in one could end up in dozens, hundreds or thousands of different microbes. And if it creates a a dominant advantage, a survival advantage, it can change the nature of nature in ways that could damage or collapse ecosystems, including the ecosystem of the human microbiome. How important is the microbiome? I talked to world expert Kieran Krishnan. He says 80% of the diseases, the chronic diseases, find their sources in altered microbiome.
0: I'm the best selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, host of the Keto Camp podcast. You can learn more about me over at benazadi.com. Today's episode is one of the most important episodes we've ever recorded at Keto Camp because we discuss a serious topic that not only is this affecting your health, your family's health, but also the environment and the human species as we know it. I brought on Jeffrey Smith, who gave us a masterclass on GMOs and pesticides and exactly what is going on that the media is not talking about. This episode is a life-changing episode. As soon as I finish recording with Jeffrey, I did some more research and my mind was absolutely blown. It inspired me so much that I decided to donate to the cause on a monthly basis and take all the action steps that he talks about during the recording, which you'll hear. So we talk about why Jeffrey got involved in the study of chemicals and glyphosate and some of the arrows he's taken and currently takes and some of the people that came after him when he started speaking the truth. Can we solve world hunger? by developing GMOs. Some people believe that. Jeffrey will debunk that thought process. What is happening to humans when pesticides are going into the water supply? We talk about the relationship between heavy metals and glyphosate and Dr. Stephanie Seneff's research that shows these glyphosate chemicals actually push heavy metals like mercury deeper into your tissues. How do you go about finding wine that is not contaminated because Dr. Zach Bush said on the Keto Camp podcast last year, the average California wine has 64 herbicides and pesticides in it. So Jeffrey will give you some advice on how to pick a higher quality wine. And then we got really practical here. When you go shopping at your grocery store, or when you're shopping online, what are the terms that you want to look for on the labels that will make a big difference for your health? and why if it says grass-fed, it could be grain-finished. And what you really want is 100% grass-fed. And we talk about tips like that, what to look for on the labels. Jeffrey gives his thoughts on the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. For a long time, this has been like a graphic shared all over the place. Stick to these Clean 15 fruits and vegetables. Stay away from the Dirty Dozens. And he has a problem with a, a few items on this list, which he'll share. We talk about the environmental impact of glyphosate and what it's doing to the world, and so much more. So sit back, take notes. You're going to want to share this with somebody you know. Like I said, this is one of the most important episodes we've ever recorded here on the Keto Camp Podcast. Hey, before I bring them on the show, I do want to take a minute here to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This is a five-star review from Kimberly K, Colorado. Amazing thank you. Ben, I first heard you during the Sugar Summit. I have to say I'm a huge fan. In such a short amount of time, I have already learned so much from you. Thank you for all the educating you do. The world is in need of this. I'm listening to your podcast and learning so much. That is awesome, Kimberly. I'm grateful you discovered me on the Quit Sugar Summit, which I have been a part of a couple times now. What an amazing summit. And I'm grateful you decided to start listening to the podcast and Taking the time to leave that rating and review, which really helps the show grow. I want to incentivize those listening right now to leave the Keto Camp podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcast. And when you do, take a screenshot of your rating and review and take that screenshot image and email it to us support at ketocamp.com, camp with the K, support at ketocamp.com. And what we will do as a thank you is reply with a PDF download of my Keto Flex cookbook, which retails for $21, but you'll get it for free, just for leaving a rating and review, you'll get that PDF download. So go ahead and do that if you haven't done so already. Did you know there's actually beverages that can supercharge your fasting results? My favorite, which is a keto powerhouse, is apple cider vinegar. There's a ton of research showing apple cider vinegar has been beneficial, for boosting your metabolism, suppressing appetite, reducing fat storage. That's because apple cider vinegar contains acetic acid, which is a short-chain fatty acid that's been shown to promote weight loss in those ways. Also, apple cider vinegar is one of the best ways to balance your blood sugars. A study showed apple cider vinegar improved insulin sensitivity after high-carb meals up to 34%. We also know that apple cider vinegar stimulates digestion, acts as a bio stimulant to help break down the fat you're eating on keto. Another research study showed apple cider vinegar protects against mineral depletion. If you're like me, you probably don't like the taste of apple cider vinegar. I think it tastes disgusting. That's why my go-to is Paleo Valley's Apple Cider Vinegar Complex. This is an organic blend of apple cider vinegar and four more gut and health supportive superfoods. I take this before my meals. I take it before coffee, and this enhances my fast and my blood sugar regulation. You'll find it contains organic apple cider vinegar, organic turmeric, organic ginger, organic Ceylon cinnamon, and organic lemon. Since you are a listener of the KetoCam podcast, we worked out an exclusive discount code for you to get the apple cider vinegar complex Capsules and all of the products over at Paleo Valley. All you need to do is head to paleovalley.com and use the coupon code KetoCamp15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order. By the way, they got delicious beef sticks and an awesome organ meat complex. Go check them out. Paleovalley.com. That is KetoCamp15 at checkout. We'll also drop a link down below in the show notes. Okay, let's get into this life-changing conversation with Jeffrey Smith. Jeffrey Smith is the founder, executive director, award-winning documentary film director, and international bestseller. He's a leading spokesperson on GMO Health Dangers. Jeffrey Smith authored two global bestsellers, directed five films, delivered Thousands of lectures and thousands of interviews in 45 countries. He's trained 1,500 plus speakers and organized over 10,000 grassroots advocates. Jeffrey was the architect of a successful plan to achieve the tipping point of consumer rejection of genetically engineered foods. His work has influenced the behavior and health of millions of people worldwide. He is now sounding the alarm about the grave even irreversible hazards from genetic engineering techniques, which can lead to health and mental catastrophes. Jeffrey leads the global Protect Nature Now coalition, urging governments to stop the releases of all genetically engineered microbes. Here's Jeffrey Smith. Jeffrey Smith, welcome to the KetoCamp podcast.
1: Thank you, Ben. Great to be here.
0: I am excited to dive deep into a topic we haven't really dove deep into, which is GMOs, glyphosate, herbicides, pesticides, et cetera. You are the leading authority to talk about this subject. So I'm excited to dive into that. Before we do, talk about this this topic, which you actually call the Darth Vader of chemicals, glyphosate, before we get to that, how did you even get involved with studying this field of research? When did you get involved and why? Well, it was 25
1: years ago, this is my anniversary, 25th anniversary, and uh, I had attended a lecture by a genetic engineer whistleblower who was saying, even though Monsanto was about to genetically engineer the food supply with the soy and corn grown in the state of Iowa where I was at the time, hardly anyone knew about it, and this scientist was absolutely sure, because he was an expert, that the technology was not ready for prime time, that the technology was dangerous that it could create allergens or toxins or carcinogens or antinutrients in our food, and that it was going to be in the entire food supply, unlabeled, and it could have a dramatic effect on our health. And moreover, once you release GMOs, genetically modified organisms, outdoors, they then self-propagate in the gene pool. They cross with non gmo neighbors and it's non-recallable. And so if there's changes that can occur in the environment, they may occur in a way that all future generations will inherit our mistakes. So this was a, a top level threat for human health and the environment, and yet no one really knew about it. It was being put in in a stealth manner. So I started looking at it and realizing the fraud that allowed it to be approved, The the corrupt regulatory agencies that have been captured based on the mythological lies by the biotech industry claiming safety. And then I wrote Seeds of Deception and Genetic Roulette and created five movies and gave over a 1,000 lectures in 45 countries, trained people to speak on GMOs, about 1,500, organized more than 10,000 activists, and built a movement to spread the word that GMOs were not safe and that the foods were highly risky, and that based on our evidence that we collected and others, we were convinced that eating these foods was causing tremendous harm in the US population and around the world. And we can talk about this. It's not lightweight. It is heavy duty information, so much so that in one of my more recent films, Secret Ingredients, we looked at families that switched to organic, getting away from the GMOs, and the Roundup sprayed on foods at the same time. And the transformation was unbelievable. People have would have had trouble believing it had we not had also physicians saying, this is what we are seeing every day in our patients who switched to organic. We had scientists showing in animations what was happening to the body because of GMOs, and we had data like incredible epidemiological charts and surveys with thousands of people filling them out, all pointing to the same thing. So it's a pretty heavy-duty journey that we're going to take with a really great outcome. A single switch can make an enormous difference for someone's health, energy, clarity, ability to, to think clearly, et
0: cetera. So are you referring to that study you did on uh, 3,256 people? Is that what you're uh, referring to? Okay, I want to get into that. I do want to get into that and some of the findings. Before we do, basic understanding of what exactly a GMO is. That's the first question. The second question is, as you started to make some waves and lecture and and create these films and books, did you start to receive a backlash, maybe threats? Because we know this is a multi-billion dollar industry. So how was that like when you started to speak your truth?
1: Well... The answer is, of course, (laughs) because one way that I was exposing the biotech industry was their treatment of critics, their treatment of scientists who discovered problems, who were fired, stripped of responsibilities, forced out, threatened, their treatment of reporters who they'd hire PR companies to target, to punish those that reported badly, reward those that reported well. I completely laid these out in the book Seeds of Deception, and were just sort of waiting for them to attack. And so they first said, oh, we haven't read the book, we're not aware, they didn't want to draw any attention to it. So then I wrote the book uh, Genetic Roulette, which com- I worked with more than 30 scientists, compiling all the known health dangers of GMOs into a single document. And again, it was like, we don't know, he's not a scientist, so it must, it must not be scientific. Finally, they hired people secretly who claimed to be independent, and started to attack, distort what I had written, misquote it, and then try to say that I had missed the science. So in the Roundup trials, where Roundup was declared by juries to be one of the contributions to the plaintiff's cancers, in the last of these three successful trials, they actually showed documents from Monsanto's internal files about me. They had one of their hired guns who had created this whole website, misquoting me and trying to target me, wrote in the headline, in the subject line, whack-a-mole. And they explained that I had written an article showing how children were most at risk from the potential dangers of GMOs and that he was basically saying, I'm going to go after him now. And the response by the members of the executives that in Monsanto that saw it said, funny you should use the word whack-a-mole. We started using that two years ago, going after people that were uh, criticizing Monsanto, or showing evidence of harm, and have been using that same term for two years. And he said, Donna and I have been using that term for two years. Now, Donna referred to Donna Farmer, who's the senior toxicologist at Monsanto. So what happened was, after this happened, the World Health Organization, looked at Roundup's chief poison, glyphosate, and declared it a probable human carcinogen. So this meant that Monsanto was going to lose billions, and so they had a whole plan to discredit the World Health Organization's committee to get their front groups speaking on their behalf, and they were able to place Donna Farmer on the national TV show The Doctors. So The Doctors called me two days before she was to be on and said, would you like to debate her live via Skype? I said, oh, yes. (laughs) So I got on via Skype and I talked Said the person that approved GMOs at the FDA was Monsanto's former attorney and later Monsanto's vice president, then went back to the FDA as the U.S. food safety czar, Michael Taylor, and that, you know, Roundup does this, this, and this. And I described all these things. And she was like, She had been trained by Monsanto's media people and just smiled and said, as a mother and as a scientist, I completely have confidence in this chemical. So we were on for, you know, the normal eight minutes of a segment. So two years later, while these roundup trials were launched, they were able to get millions of secret documents, find the most controversial and put them on site. So I searched for her name, and lo and behold, there was Donna Farmer saying pretty much exactly the opposite in private that she had said in public. We can't say that Roundup doesn't cause cancer because the research isn't there, that she was saying that maybe the exposure to Roundup to these animals through the skin caused the tumors, that maybe these animals died because of Roundup. She had ghostwritten an article and taken out the the link between glyphosate and miscarriages, crossed her name off, crossed Monsanto's name off. So I called back the producer at the, the doctor's, and I said, you know, I have some interesting quotes here from the person that I debated on your show two years ago, showing that she did not say the truth. And so I sent them the documents, and they said, we're interested in doing something. I said, how long do you think the coverage will be? They said, three or four minutes. So I said, okay, call this plaintiff, call this this lawyer. There's a lot of information here. They ended up bringing the plaintiff, the lawyer and me in for an hour long show. I, I think they've never done an hour long show on one subject and they invited Donna Farmer back here and she didn't come. So we had a field day showing the lies showing that Monsanto had you know, basically lapdogs working for them at the EPA to approve glyphosate. And we learned so much more since then because we were able to sort through the incredible incriminating evidence. It's like these guys never thought that what they were writing would be made public. So they were saying things that were clearly inflammatory, and we found it, and it's now out there in the public.
0: Mm. Well, kudos to you. I love that you did that. And no surprise why she didn't show up for that second debate. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Some people think that we could solve a world hunger crisis by developing and, and, uh, resources into GMOs. Why is that not the answer? And what is exactly a GMO?
1: So I interviewed the world's experts at how to actually feed the world. They were involved in writing the ISTAD report, sponsored by the UN, the World Trade Organization, and others. It was a report that had 59 national signatures, so 59 countries signed off on it. And it was looking for how to feed the world. And I interviewed one of the co-chair people of this, as well as the major writers And they all said the same thing: GMOs have nothing to offer to feed the hungry world, nothing that meets our goals. Feed the hungry world, create sustainable agriculture, and eradicate poverty. It was, as the the other co-chairman had said publicly, it was like a solution looking or problem looking for a solution, or a solution looking for a problem. It had no, it didn't fit in anywhere. It didn't increase average yields, and increasing yields is not necessarily the way to handle hunger because there's more food per person than any time in human history. It worked against. Developing countries, it destroyed biodiversity, it concentrated the power into uh, the hands of corporations, it eliminated seed saving. All these things were absolutely wrong, according to the experts. But the biotech industry, starting in the late 90s, spent $50 million per year for five years, a quarter of a billion dollars, trying to convince Americans that GMOs were needed to feed the world. In other words, risk your life and your family. And your children because these may feed the world and you don't want to deprive them of feeding the world so you should eat this poisonous food so they didn't say it that way but around 1998 we realized that the scientists at the fda were concerned about the health dangers of gmos they said it could create allergens toxins new diseases and nutritional problems but the person in charge of policy as we said was monsanto's former attorney and The policy that came out when he was in charge in 1992 said, we don't see any difference. No testing, no labeling. You can put a GMO on the market without even telling the FDA. So all of that was a fraud. That came out. And now, now, when we look at the evidence, we see both on the GMO side and on the Roundup side, and they're related, and we'll explain why, both of them can devastate health as we see in the animal feeding studies, the clinical experience, the epidemiological evidence, the causative factors, and in the reports, as you say, of over 3000 people, which is just a tip of the iceberg of the people who've reported to us.
0: So much corruption, so much fraud that you have been shining a light on. It's important for people to get this information because they, a lot of people have been duped by the quarter of a billion dollars worth of marketing to really Fool people, which is why you kind of call it seeds of deception, etc. I want to take a quick break here to share with you about the dangers of taking fish oil. I know, shocking. I was somebody who took fish oil every single day for years. And then I came across a ton of research showing the dangers of consuming fish oil. I immediately found an amazing product called Pureform. Pureform is a plant-based omega. And the cool thing about Pureform is that it is uniquely processed with nitrogen to preserve it and make sure it does not oxidize. These essential fatty acids are cold pressed and you get the proper balance of omega-6 and omega-3 to feed your cells what it desires. We know that life begins and ends at the cell membrane. And when you have the proper fats, the building blocks for those cell membranes, all of a sudden your fat burning hormones can do its job. So you lose weight. All of a sudden your cells produce energy. So you feel good. So we know that cellular health is key for performance and longevity. So I've been taking pure form Four to apply a $4 off coupon. That is Ben, B-E-N, and the number four. International shipping is available. Okay, let's go back into this episode of the Keto Camp podcast. So GMO, explain what that is and how is that intertwined with glyphosate? Genetically modified organisms. You either take genes from one species and force it into
1: the DNA of other species. So you have Virus DNA and bacteria DNA and soybeans, corn, etc. Or you do gene editing, where you change the genetic structure in a laboratory in ways that wouldn't happen naturally, and both create massive collateral damage to the DNA, which can create allergens or toxins, etc. Now, the primary reason they genetically engineered crops was engineered by Monsanto because they were the big sellers of Roundup going off patent in the year 2000. Not the Roundup, the chief poison, glyphosate. And so since glyphosate was going off patent, they created Roundup-ready soy, corn, cotton, canola, sugar beets, and alfalfa, so that when farmers bought those genetically engineered seeds, they can spray their fields with Roundup and not kill the crops. So instead of spraying just on the weeds and being very careful and labor-intensive, you can just drive a combine or even a plane over the field, spray the whole field, killing everything else but the crops. It was an easy way to weed, but the Roundup was driven into the crops. It's driven into it with another chemical that drives it through the tissues, which also allows it to drive into the skin at very high levels, and there's an interesting story that came out from the Roundup trial that we can talk about. So now you have GMOs on the one hand, which by their very nature are inherently dangerous because of the ways that they change the DNA, RNA, proteins, metabolites, et cetera, and you have Roundup, a toxin, now a probable human carcinogen declared by the World Health Organization, but we've linked it to more than 30 diseases the most popular diseases, because as you'll find out in a few minutes, it destroys or damages the foundations of our health from the microbiome to the mitochondria, to the hormones, to the neurotransmitters, to the structure of the DNA, to the integrity of the gut lining. All of them are compromised by glyphosate and in some cases, GMOs. Put them together, it's a terrible combination, but you don't want them individually either. For example, there was a study done on Roundup ready corn, engineered not to die when sprayed with Roundup. And Dr. Ceralini from France took rats and fed them Roundup ready corn sprayed with Roundup for two years and they had multiple massive tumors, early death and organ damage, very serious. But he also wanted to know whether it was the Roundup or the GMOs. So he took just plain Roundup, put it in the in the water and fed those rats natural corn. And they also had massive tumors, early death, and organ damage. So, aha, it's the Roundup. But another group was fed the Roundup-ready corn that had never been sprayed with Roundup, and they had multiple massive tumors, early death, and organ damage. So individually and together, they created serious health effects. And so we want to suggest to people avoid both. Now, because Roundup, and other glyphosate-based herbicides are not only sprayed on soy, corn, cotton, canola, sugar beets, and alfalfa, all of which are used in food and all of which are used in animal feed, they also spray Roundup on grains and beans and other places just before harvest. So they dry down the wheat, they dry down the oats, they dry down the beans, spraying three to five days before harvest and a huge amount of glyphosate residues end up in those even more than the Roundup Ready soy because you're spraying right before harvest and you're eating the oatmeal that's just full of glyphosate
0: yeah, or coffee
1: coffee so you want to you want to reduce your Roundup exposure but it's even in orange juice it's in wine it's in beer but in our report that's available at responsibletechnology.org, we've compiled every group's tests of glyphosate residues. We find consistently, except in one case, the organic is is far less, some cases undetectable, some cases just tiny contamination compared to conventional. Why? Because organic doesn't allow Roundup to be used. It doesn't allow GMOs to be used. So it is a single One-stop shopping to avoid both.
0: So if something is labeled as organic, that means it's automatically also non-GMO is what you're saying?
1: Yes. However, just to be clear, contamination happens. It's the nature of nature. So you have an organic cornfield, and you have a conventional cornfield next door. If you haven't timed it so that yours isn't tasseling at the time that's uh, sending pollen, you may end up contaminated. Even the seeds you buy may be previously contaminated, but usually it's only by a small amount. More than 20 years ago, I worked at a GMO detection laboratory, and we found even then there was a tiny amount of seed corn that was conventional but contaminated with GMOs. Now, same with Roundup. The glyphosate is used so much, 300 million pounds per year in the United States alone, it's now in the air in certain locations.
0: What's the estimation? I've heard somebody say that 70% of rainfall has some glyphosate in it. Is that accurate at all?
1: No, it's not. It's, that's a locational thing. In Mississippi, they found 75%. But in other places in the Midwest, it was 60% of samples tested found glyphosate in the air and in the rain and in surface water. But you see, those are areas where glyphosate is sprayed a lot. Montana they don't have enough nutrients to grow every season so they grow every other season and they spray glyphosate throughout the whole field to chemically kill off everything for the season so it's in the air too so it depends where you are but 70% is a good number from what we have tested so um if you're in Alaska it's probably a lot less
0: <laughs> and what is it doing to the environment when that pesticides are going into our water supply. What is that doing to the surrounding environment and our water supply that we're taking a shower with and some people are drinking tap water? What's happening there? Well, let's take
1: them separately. Okay. Um, the environment and human. I'm going to start with human because even though everyone is now a environmentalist, we're really also more concerned about our health and the health of our children. So I'll share with you some alarming information. Glyphosate was originally patented as a descaler for industrial boilers and pipes. Descaler because it chelates, it grabs onto minerals, and it grabbed on to the mineral residues that were building up in these pipes. Now, what that means is when it's sprayed on crops, it grabs the minerals, making them unavailable to the crops. When the animals eat the roundup, pretty soy, corn, cotton, cakes, canola seeds, alfalfa, sugar beet pulp, they're eating demineralized food, but also heavy doses of Roundup. On our lists, one of the highest levels of Roundup are the animal feeds. So now they're not only getting less minerals, the minerals that are in their system are being grabbed by glyphosate molecules that don't let go and which means they're getting heavily mineral deficient. So there's a calf you can that was born stillborn in an area and they checked the liver and there was no detectable manganese. There's plenty of manganese in that region of the country, but by the time that calf was born, its mother had no detectable manganese to give it. So you have these nutrient deficient animals which create a whole bunch of problems because for those that follow minerals, They're the keys to a 1,000 engines. There's all these biochemical pathways. And if you don't have the mineral cofactor, it's like they're on strike, or they're the the workers waiting around for the boss to tell it what to do. Once the boss arrives, plugs the key in and says, "Okay." Without that, they're just dysfunctional. So you end up with mineral deficiency. In addition to being patented as an herbicide, Uh, glyphosate was patented as an antibiotic but it's a very special antibiotic it kills the beneficial bacteria in our gut not the pathogens so it creates changes that are very very dangerous i talked to one person who studied those changes kieran krishnan and i said okay here's a list of 28 different conditions that 3256 people reported getting better from when they switched to non-gmo and organic foods Can you tell me one at a time if the changes that you saw in the gut bacteria exposed to Roundup could lead to those conditions? And sure enough, digestive disorders, allergies, anxiety, overweight, depression, diabetes, infertility, every single one of them would be linked to the changes in the microbiome. But also, Roundup was shown, and you can see videos of this, causing leaky gut gaps between the cell walls of our intestines. There's a Harvard researcher that wrote an article saying all disease begins in the leaky gut. So that same list of 28 could be because of the leaky gut, but it doesn't stop there. Glyphosate blocks a particular pathway, a shikimate pathway, that's used by gut bacteria to produce the precursors for serotonin, melatonin, and dopamine. So now without that, you've got the anxiety, you've got the sleeplessness and other sleep disorders, Parkinson's, pain, et cetera, because those happy chemicals may be depleted if your food contains glyphosate residues. So that's another thing. It also can change the the hormonal balance between estrogen and testosterone. We want to keep that balance intact. You mess up the hormones, they drive the system. It also damages the mitochondria. There are mitochondria freaks in this audience, I'm sure.
0: Absolutely, we talk about it a lot.
1: How important the mitochondria is. I mean, talk about brain health, okay? Brain fog was and fatigue were, were consistently reported as getting better from people that switched to non-GMO and organic. At 150 lectures, including two dozen medical conferences, I said, what was noticed in you or your patients when you switched to non-GMO organic? And I said, digestion was always number one and reduction of fatigue and brain fog, which I combined as a question, was always number two. The energy centers of our brain, it's the mitochondria, the brain and the whole body. It uses 25%, the brain, of all the energy in the body. It's only 5% by weight, but 25% by use. So this was mentioned by Dr. Perlmutter in my film, Secret Ingredients. He said, it's so clear when you damage the mitochondria, you can create the brain fog but also it can promote many of the cognitive disorder diseases that you see, you know, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, MS, et cetera. But there's also a gut-brain axis. We have the single greatest reported benefit from switching to organic was better digestion, and not just a little bit. 80% was either significantly improved or nearly gone or completely recovered. The digestion, if it's off, powers all these other diseases, in addition glyphosate damages the sequence of the DNA and creates oxidative stress linking it to cancer there's other ways that it links to cancer it's also like the king of all these other toxins because our body is used to detoxifying it detoxifies through the liver and through each cell but the detoxification hardware is messed up by glyphosate which blocks the ability for the liver to detox for those that are that are geeks, it's the P450 cytochrome pathway, and also the cells, NRF2, that also gets reduced. So the cellular detox, the liver detox all become compromised. So all the other toxins in your body become amplified if they were normally going to be ushered out of the body by the detox system. There's also birth defects associated with it and changes in the epigenetics so that if you inject glyphosate as they did into a pregnant mouse, the child didn't suffer, the grandchildren suffered, and the great-grandchildren suffered the most. 90% of them had serious problems, including overweight, death during birth, uh, prostate problems, kidney problems. So we're setting up problems into the future. So these are just some of the issues. But when it comes down to what is it individually, in the movie Secret Ingredients, uh, among the many people we looked at, there was one family, they had five members and 21 chronic conditions between the five members, but they were different. The mother was kind of paralyzed in constant pain, et cetera. She was on permanent disability. The father had a breast tumor. Uh, one son had was on the autistic spectrum. Another was irritable and had constipation. Another one had, had eczema throughout her, her, his body. She was type a personality she thought it may be the food so she started experimenting on the family taking out gluten taking out soy taking out this when she finally and she was getting better results but every they were still managing 21 chronic conditions when she realized about glyphosate and roundup and gmos she put everyone on organic and immediately she saw dramatic changes and within a few months all of the problems would disappear and so we're talking about and the sun is no longer on the, on the spectrum. Another person that we interviewed in the same movie, no longer on the spectrum. Doesn't happen to everyone, of course, but these are dramatic changes. And we it turns out that it was the same underlying cause being expressed in different ways depending on the weakness of that particular body. So that's why I can't say to someone, Yes, it's going to clear up your eczema or psoriasis, as it did with these people. Yes, it's going to allow you to eat gluten, perhaps, as it it helped with these people. Yes, it's going to get rid of your depression or anxiety or et cetera, like it did with these people, or help you lose weight, like it did with 60% of the people that responded. We can't tell. But because it is so dramatically different and varied, we have one strong recommendation. If you're the scientific type or even just the geek. When you switch to organic, write down on a spreadsheet what percentage of organic you had that day, what your energy level was, what your mood was, because it's gonna affect mood, and every single symptom, one to 10. Put it in there, put it in the spreadsheet, you know how to set up to freeze the columns so that every day you can look at the same symptoms and see the changes. Because you may be looking at your eczema and finding out that your sleep is better you may be looking at one thing and now all of a sudden your your periods better so it's absolutely exciting to see that but one of the things that happened in the that's mentioned in the film we have doctors saying people will go switch to organic and their autoimmune disease symptoms will go away their pain will go away and then they'll backslide then they'll go away for a vacation or they'll get they'll get dietary fatigue or they'll cheat and then their symptoms start coming back, and that's when they realize for sure that the diet was driving it, and that makes them more committed to that than ever before. So we see the movie Secret Ingredients as the biggest impulse to make the change, and then that's what gets more people dedicated to eating organic than any, any talk than I can give.
0: We're gonna put a link for it down below. What's the website for that specific movie?
1: So livehealthybewell.com will bring you to secret ingredients. If you need help switching to organic, we have a program there to do that. If you want to help detoxifying and rebuilding and repairing after GMOs and Roundup, we have an 18-person interview of experts there. So we are, you know, obviously I'm asked these questions, having given a thousand lectures. You know, what do I do to rebuild the body? You know, besides changing our diet, what can I expect if I change my diet? So we have assets there to help.
0: Awesome. We're going to put that in the notes. Everybody go check that out. And I love the idea of creating a a chart and documenting exactly how you're feeling, improving, and noticing when you make the changes, what is actually happening in your life. If you're anything like me, you probably spend some money each month on your supplements. But what if you're still tired and you just don't feel 100% well? Well, there could be a deficiency. What if there was a way to know if you were actually absorbing your supplementation or not absorbing, and maybe you're taking too much of something? Well, what I'm bringing you today is a chance to accurately test all of that. In this case, I'm talking about upgraded formulas, upgraded hair test kit, and consultation. And once you uncover these hidden deficiencies, you could get rid of these symptoms you might be experiencing that might be affecting your thyroid, adrenals or much more. Upgraded Formulas is a very cool company. I interviewed Barton Scott, who is the founder and chemical engineer who helps craft all their supplements, and they have this really cool upgraded mineral deficiency analysis. So say goodbye to blood and urine tests, which typically indicate short-term results. Hair is the best identifier, and you could get that hair from your head, armpit area, or even pubic area, and you'll receive a consultation with a member of Upgraded Formulas to help discuss your results. And it's very simple. Collect your hair sample, send it in, and get your results fast. We've worked out an exclusive deal, Keto Camp Podcast listeners, to receive 10% off your order. Head to UpgradedFormulas.com, use the coupon code BEN10 at checkout to get your hair mineral kit, and any other supplements that you could find on their website. That is UpgradedFormulas.com. Use the coupon code BEN10. I speak a lot about heavy metal toxicity. I work with uh, Dr. Daniel Pompa, who taught me a lot of uh, heavy metal toxicity, and how to detox the right way. I remember studying Dr. Uh, Stephanie Senneth's work, uh, who I'm not, I'm not sure if she was one of the experts, if you've done work with her, but she has mentioned that what glyphosate does and you kind of touched upon it, but I want you to go a little, a little bit deeper. What glyphosate does, potentially, is to drive these heavy metals, mercury being one of them, even deeper inside of the tissues where it's harder to get to. Have you seen that? And have you shared that with your research as well?
1: Um, I know Stephanie well. I think my interview with her years ago kind of put her on the scene because people loved it. it was, it's like about a quarter of a million views or more by now. Wow,
0: Um, I gotta watch
1: that. I don't think I've seen that. I gotta watch this. It's about an hour and five minutes and early days of Stephanie. She speaks in geek, and I'm stopping (laughs) her every every minute and a half, translating it to metaphor and analogy. Then she speaks geek and I translate it. It was really fun. It was a meeting of the minds. I've spoken with her in, in China and I've spoken with her at MIT, where she's a senior researcher and gave presentations. And I just spoke with her last week. And she wrote a beautiful book, Uh, Toxic Legacy, about glyphosate. So remember I mentioned that glyphosate is a chelator, that it hugs molecules. So there was a kidney disease of unknown origin, as they originally characterized it, in areas in Central America and Sri Lanka where they were, it was devastating the, the male worker population in these farms and plantations. And someone did research and identified this hypothesis. Glyphosate was grabbing arsenic. When it grabs arsenic, it can smuggle it into the body because it's undetectable by the body. And so it gets into the body and then it ends up in the liver. In the acidic liver, it breaks the bond, and now you have two poisons in the liver, glyphosate and arsenic. And that was causing, I don't know, some amazing amount of deaths, an amazing amount of kidney failures in Central America and Sri Lanka. So that's an example of how it can get it into the body. She also talks about accumulation of aluminum in the pineal gland. She's a genius. And she looks at big number analysis. So her PhD is in computational, uh, computer engineering and whatnot. And so she knows how to grab data online, everything that's out there, and sort it and look for trends. So she has, and she also has a degree in biology. So she, for example, was saying, okay, what's the data on why kids are getting autism at such high rates? There's got to be a new environmental insult. So she first downloaded everything about autism, all the data, and she said from there, I can tell you why, based on what's happening in the physiology, they have these symptoms. But I can't tell you what chemical has been introduced to cause it. So she downloaded everything she could on every single chemical or other poison. And there was always a mismatch. Then she went to a lecture by Dr. Don Huber, another friend of mine, who was an expert at glyphosate. Stephanie told me she sat at the edge of her chair for two hours. She had never heard of glyphosate. And everything she was hearing, a chelator, an antibiotic, uh, that it does this, this, all the different modes of action that it does, some of which we've talked about here, fit hand in glove with what was happening that could cause the physiological changes in the autistic kids that could create the symptoms. So she left there on fire. She and Nancy Swanson, a, a physicist, gathered information for epidemiological charts. So what they did is they gathered the data for incidence of autism and plotted it against the amount of Roundup being sprayed on soy and corn in the United States. And it moves up dramatically the same. But they wanted to get, Stephanie's brilliant, she wanted to get, well, let's take a look at six-year-old autistic diagnosis. Let's see the amount of glyphosate sprayed that year, and the year before, and the year before, and the year before. So they get a cumulative exposure, which would be a better imprint, a better look at the environmental exposure. When she did that, the R value, the it was a nine, a point nine nine seven five A one is perfect, a perfect line. This was 0.9975. That was the um the correlation, nearly perfect. Now that doesn't prove causation, but I have interviewed parents, they're in the film Secret Ingredients, they're in another film, Genetic Roulette of mine, who put their autistic kids on an organic diet and see a dramatic improvement. Some leave the spectrum. We see dramatic correlations in the specific, as, as Stephanie pointed out, the modes of action, and we now understand why this could be the case. So a lot of autistic parents will put their kids on gluten-free and casein-free diets, we recommend, if you even if you do that, go all organic. I remember talking to one mom of an autistic boy. She said she was bragging to everyone that her son is now 80% healed. And everyone's saying, why? She says, well, she, gluten-free, casein-free, and 80% organic. And then she'd say to the next person, he's 80% better and he's 80% organic. And eventually she put it together and went, wait a minute, 80, 80. She goes. We got to change this. Put them on hundred percent organic, and said she closed the gap. Now it's like ninety-nine point such percent uh, healed from the symptoms.
0: Amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's incredible. Wow. Yeah, that's a fascinating share. I can't wait to watch that interview that you did with Dr. Stephanie. Uh, I want to talk about wine real quick. When I spoke with uh, Dr. Zach Bush, who I know that you're friends with he he told me that the average Californian wine has about 64 herbicides and pesticides in it. A lot of people want to have their wine. How do you go about finding wine that is not contaminated? What would be your suggestion?
1: All right, so not contaminated is a heavy burden. Zero percent, or what we call non-detectable, because it'd still be there, but below the ability of the instruments to pick it up. I have this 90-day lifestyle upgrade, which helps people adopt an organic diet and save time and save money and find things easier. And I interviewed this one woman who wanted to buy a vineyard and create organic wine in a special way and checked all these organic wines out all over California that might be available, and everyone had a small amount of glyphosate, except one. So she either bought that or leased that and now creates wine from that vineyard where there's no detectable glyphosate. But she was, you know, they they found low levels in biodynamic, which is beyond organic. And why is that? Because the water supply is contaminated, because the air is contaminated. So if you go organic, or you go biodynamic, you're going to find that the amount is tiny compared to the other. Now, some people are very chemically sensitive and you know who you are and you know what your abilities are and you're going to have to determine on your own what you're willing to focus on like i recommend if people are eating corn eat organic corn i know people that won't eat any corn because of the capacity for low levels of contamination by gmos and they don't want to be exposed to anything i know some people who are very very sensitive to animal products, if the animals are fed GMOs. So, a friend of mine, uh, we worked together. She got bought, a, I think, a pork chop, which is a pork chop or a lamb chop, and she was told at the farmers market that they feed organic. She ate the lamb chop, I think it was, and ended up having a terrible response. Checked back, and they said, "Oh no, it's it's GMO." There's this other story I heard. Farmer heard it from the family. The family has chickens, and they buy non-GMO feed, and they get eggs, and they eat the chick- eat the eggs every day. All of a sudden, after one breakfast, the mother and the daughter were rushed to the hospital with anaphylactic shock. Same breakfast. They've always eaten their own chickens. So the father contacted the feed guy and found out they had just received GMO feed because he couldn't get any non-GMO feed, never told them. So it was a double-blinded experience and but you know, potential disaster but you know that kind of evidence even though it's quote anecdotal it's real life so some people are very very sensitive but for the general public if we simply say organic it should be good enough if you want a little more care you can do organic and non GMO project verified on the same label because the, the non GMO project tests for contamination and has a 0.9% threshold. Organic has no testing requirements, so it may have contamination above that, but if it has the two, then if it has any at-risk ingredients, the system has been tested. There's another thing called glyphosate residue free as a certification. They test the final product and they only give that if there's no detectable glyphosate.
0: I've never seen that.
1: Yeah, it's not very popular yet, but it's been picked up by some major brands that will be rolled out more soon.
0: That's great. Yeah, so.
1: There's a lot of people that are, you know, consumers are driving this and driving choices in the marketplace. So this is why for 25 years I focused on educating consumers, especially the most receptive, on the dangers of GMOs and Roundup. Now 51% of American consumers believe that GMO foods are non-safe. Same same with 48% of the world's population. But after 25 years, we are focusing on a different concern about GMOs, gene editing, and what it could do to the microbiome of the planet. So at a certain point, please ask me about that, because we're launching a whole new global movement uh, to stop an existential threat. When I use existential threat, I, I don't mean the overused concept. I mean an existential threat to humanity and the planet that is now before us because of easy gene editing and the nature of nature. So we can take that if you'd like, or we can finish up on the health dangers.
0: I want to ask you about that for sure. I do want to close the loop here. You were mentioning meat. What do we look for? Grass-fed and finished, 100% organic. You know, what about chicken? What about eggs? What are the, the terms we want to look for when we're shopping for these products?
1: You know, I interviewed a guy again for the 90-day program, and he had glass fed beef. And so here's the the details for the absolute you know aficionado. If it simply says grass-fed, it could be grain finished. If they grain finish it, it's probably corn, and that would be contain GMOs. It could have soils, so you want 100% grass fed. Now, ideally, you want to call them and say, "Do the pastures contain any alfalfa that's genetically engineered?" Now, genetically engineered alfalfa is typically used for dairy cows, and not so much for grazing. It's still worth asking, and when you do call or you know, contact them by email. Ask them to put that, if they don't use genetically engineered alfalfa grass, please put that on the, on the list. Remember, consumer demand drives the companies. Once one company puts in a label, it'll drive changes in their competitors. So we really want the grass 100% grass-fed people to say no genetically engineered alfalfa, forcing everyone else to, which will stop some of those farmers from using it because then they won't be able to sell into the marketplace uh, that they were selling before
0: so if it says 100% grass fed it doesn't necessarily need to say grass finished that implies that it's grass fed and finished
1: yeah if it's 100% then that complies that it's finished now there is one other sometimes there's they'll feed molasses that has gmos or roundup in it so sometimes there are supplemental foods that are not mentioned in that. And in the interview I did for the 90-Day Lifestyle Upgrade is with a company that is makes sure even their molasses or additional additives are non-GMO or organic and not glyphosate-based.
0: What's the company? I mean, I want to know personally. I want to make sure my meat is great. Like, What's the company you get your meat from?
1: I'll have to check and get back to you because I've interviewed a lot of companies and I I,
0: have you interviewed belcampo or u.s wellness meets at all I haven't
1: interviewed u.s wellness I've met with the with the owner of belcampo and talked to them because there was a belcampo right here in California
0: what are your thoughts on them
1: well it wasn't an in-depth checklist kind of thing it wasn't a public interview if I if I do an interview to reveal information to the public I'll let them know I'm a friendly guy and uh if I want to endorse something, I have to go through the list. And I haven't done that with them. But um, from what I understood, I was happy at the time. We'll just leave it there.
0: Okay. That's usually the meat that I get it from, either them or, or U.S. wellness meat. So I want to ask those questions. So is alfalfa in the pasture, uh, is genetically engineered alfalfa in there? And then also molasses is the question to ask.
1: Or Are there any other foods that are fed to the animals that may be derived from GMOs or sprayed with Roundup? And then you've heard that molasses may be one of them. It's something that very few people talk about, but you heard it from me because I talked to one of the people that did. I didn't know about it until that interview. And I thought, oh, great, 100%. But again, the amount may be smaller than you are worried about. This comes back to your own criteria. And I I don't try and influence that. I just give you the facts to make your own up, make your mind up.
0: One of the most common questions I've been asked over the years is, can I have green juice on the ketogenic diet? My answer was always, "Uh, probably not. Most juices out there don't really source the right vegetables and it creates a glucose spike, which will knock you out of ketosis. It wasn't until recently that I discovered Farmer's Juice. Now, Farmer's Juice delivers keto-friendly juices that are organic, delicious, and full of functional ingredients. Most juices out there are not good. They have more sugar than a can of soda. They use low-quality produce from industrial farms, and they cost like $12 a bottle, which just make you hungrier than before and knock you out of ketosis. Green juice is a good concept, but the execution has been flawed. That's why I'm super excited to share with you the world's first keto-friendly functional green juice line called Farmer's Juice. Farmer's Juice was founded by my friend Junaid, who was on the Keto Camp podcast, and they focus on regenerative farming, which is the main reason why I love them. But if you look at their ingredients, high quality, they have focus greens, performance greens, digestive greens, peaceful greens, green athletics, and other flavors. And I've tested with a CGM. I've tested with my Keto Mojo. It does not kick you out of ketosis. Each Farmer's Juice bottle has one to one and a half pounds of organic produce like cucumber, romaine, lettuce, celery, basil, mint, fennel, purple cabbage, ginger, turmeric, cilantro, and more. That's enough produce to give your diet a serious upgrade and to reduce inflammation, burn fat, and feel like a keto rock star. I love this company so much that they are officially a sponsor of the Keto Camp Podcast. I encourage you to go to thefarmersjuice.com to check out their amazing green juices. I am personally on a monthly subscription and I'm about to get my mom on a monthly subscription. She just doesn't know yet, I'm gonna surprise her with it. So head to thefarmersjuice.com, learn more about it, add into your cart, they also have delicious shots that could upgrade your immune system instantaneously. We will also drop a link down below in the podcast notes. Head to thefarmersjuice.com, and use the coupon code KetoCamp at checkout for ten dollars off your order. That is thefarmersjuice.com. Coupon code KetoCamp, no space in between, Camp with a K. Before we get to that final question on the environment impact, the um, uh, last question here in regards to food is, what are your thoughts on the Dirty Dozen and the Clean Fifteen?
1: I'm glad you asked that question. First of all, I've been upset with. I appreciate environmental working groups work for years. Very nice people. I know them. I was upset for a long time that their clean fifteen included papaya and corn, two of the genetically engineered crops. And there was something that they weren't telling people. And still, I don't think they mention. Now that they're mentioned, now they're mentioning asterisk, maybe genetically engineered. Fine. Glyphosate is not tested as a residue by the US government. EWG basically packages the each year's residue testing by the US government and puts it out there. But the US government doesn't test for glyphosate because they have been bought off, you know, they believed that glyphosate was so safe it didn't need to be tested and they haven't been able to change their minds because of the corporate capture. So we have a database of all the different companies that have tested privately. Institute for Responsible Technology, Moms Across America, EWG, others at responsibletechnology.org. And it turns out, and EWG did some great testing of oat-based breakfast cereals, which have skyrocketed amounts because of the oats. So thank you, EWG, and also hummus. Hummus has has, has uh, chickpeas loaded with glyphosate. Don't eat it unless it's organic.
0: Hmm. Peanuts too. Peanut butter as well.
1: Okay, so you've been you've been spending more time on the list than me. So <laughs> I just eat organic and I don't have to worry about it. But you know, because <laughs> I has... mean
0: they're both legumes. That's why that, that came right, to mind. Right. Yeah.
1: So the EWG, first of all, it's just fruits and vegetables. So it doesn't have oats. It doesn't have mung beans. Doesn't have chickpeas, and it doesn't have glyphosate levels. So it's not the Bible. And so I would cross-check with our list and responsible technology if you choose to eat one of those non-organic. The key is if you can eat organic, it's not allowed to have any of those. But if you really want to eat a non-organic clean 15 avocado or this thing, check the residues for glyphosate as well. I wouldn't eat corn unless it's organic, I wouldn't eat papaya unless it's not from Hawaii or China because they have genetically engineered papaya and sometimes it can get contaminated. So you can eat an organic papaya that's accidentally contaminated and becomes 100% GMO. So it's sort of like, I appreciate the clean 15. I appreciate the dirty dozen, but it's not where I go for definitive. I have to add it to what my knowledge of what the GMOs are There are 12 GMO food crops, soy, corn, cotton, canola, sugar beets, alfalfa, zucchini, yellow squash, papaya from Hawaii or China, apples and potatoes that are engineered not to turn brown when you slice them, and a pink pineapple. Those are the 12. The derivatives of soy, corn, cotton, canola, sugar beets, and alfalfa are in 9 out of 10 processed foods. Those are also used as animal feed. So you have to look at any meats that are not 100% grass-fed or wild or organic. So, Or if it's non-GMO project verified, they'll test the, the feed as well. So that, or if it's organic, it's supposed to be organic feed, there you go. So that gives you the idea for the GMOs, for the Roundup, just check that report at Responsible Technology.
0: So that's responsibletechnology.org. Everybody go there after the interview. Final question, Jeffrey. What's the environmental impact of what's going on here? All right.
1: Is that where the microbe thing is? You're going to go there? All right. Yeah. All right. So protectnaturenow.com is the website. If you go there, there's a 16-minute film. It's my latest and my shortest. Don't let the gene out of the bottle. And it describes a genetically engineered bacteria, genetically engineered bacteria that were genetically engineered to turn plant cells into alcohol. They took normal uh, Klebsiella planticula, which is found on the root systems of all the plants in the world, and they engineered it so that it could destroy crop residues and turn them into alcohol. Very well-meaning idea, Instead of having farmers burn the crop residues in their field, which you know dissipates carbon and creates pollution, have them rake it up and put it into big barrels, add this bacteria, two weeks later, open the spigot and have 34-proof alcohol, run their tra- tractors, sell it off-farm for extra income, and then take the slime at the bottom and mix it, or the, the sludge at the bottom, and mix it with your field as nutrient-rich fertilizer. So now you're creating a cycle in the on the farm using bacteria. What could be better? Well, listen to what happened. A graduate student wanted to do research on a genetically engineered organism to get his PhD. And so he got permission to test this microbe. But what he did is he took the, the sludge and he mixed it with soil planted wheat and then he had a control and he went into the lab one saturday morning and was shocked to find that all of the short wheat plants on his experimental batch had turned to slime and he first thought he had made a terrible mistake but then he realized that the sludge contained still active bacteria that was to turn the roots and then the plants to alcohol. Now he discovered this two weeks before the people with the bacteria were going to release it outdoors to see how far it could spread. In the film, you're going to meet Dr. Elaine Ingham, who was the graduate student's advisor, professor, and she was told by whistleblowers at the EPA, and you'll find out how that that bacteria, if released, could travel around the world, and if it if it did out survive and out compete its natural counterpart, I said, "What could happen?" She said, "It could end terrestrial plant life on planet Earth." Now that is a cataclysm. And she assured me, "Oh no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't get rid of our kelp fields. We can grow." It's like great. <laughs> it's like yeah, okay. That was bad. It's like in the in the ghost. Busters, don't uh, cross the beams. What would happen? It would be bad. I'm a little short on bad. Imagine every cell in your body exploding at the speed of light. Okay, that's bad. It's like, like that's bad. Yes. Yeah, it would be bad. Another ice minus, another genetically engineered uh, bacteria that was going to be spread on fields to reduce frost damage. If that was released and became airborne and displaced its natural counterparts, it could change weather patterns throughout the planet because that bacteria, Pseudomonas syringae, is used to create raindrops and to create snow. It's used in snowmaking machines. And it was made impotent in the genetically engineered version. Now, those are two bad actors where we know if that thing accomplishes what it's supposed to do, it could be a cataclysm or disaster. The microbiome, however, is far more complicated and essential than anyone ever thought. If you release a genetically engineered microbe, we didn't need a pandemic to know that they can travel around the world and mutate, but they also swap genes with other microbes. There's a trillion types of microbes. What you release in one could end up in dozens, hundreds, or thousands of different microbes, and if it creates a a dominant advantage, a survival advantage, it can change the nature of nature in ways that could damage or collapse ecosystems, including the ecosystem of the human microbiome. How important is the microbiome? I talked to world expert Kieran Krishnan. He says 80% of the diseases, the chronic diseases, find their sources in altered microbiome. He's the one that did the research on the Roundup affecting the microbiome. You do a fecal transplant, you take microbiome from one healthy person and put it in the sick person, that person can become healthy. They may also gain weight or lose weight or change their mood and behavior because that is programmed into that. When a woman is in the second trimester, bacteria that digest milk move into the birth canal so that it inoculates the baby so the baby can digest milk. The mother's milk, Contains food that is not digestible by the baby. Part of it is only digestible by the gut microbiome in the colon of the baby. Because if it's well established, it sets health for the rest of their life. If the baby needs something, it's conveyed in the baby's saliva microbiome back to the mother through the breast. It is an incredible system. It is something that, according to Kieran Christian, we outsource 90% of our daily functions to the microbiome. We get to use the 3.5 million genes of the microbial beings inside us, not just the 22,000, the measly 22,000 genes in our DNA, less than earthworms. We are a community, and it's like that in the soil, and it's like that in the atmosphere, and it's like that in trees, and it is a delicate system. Now we have gene editing, a very side-effect-prone method of creating genetically engineered organisms, but so cheap and easy you can buy a do-it-yourself kit on Amazon for $169, or you can do biohacking for a $1,000 lab. But in that lab, for the price of dinner each day, you can create a new microbe and send it outdoors for a walk and name it and change the microbiome forever. And when you do that, you don't know if your well-meaning release could end terrestrial plant life, or end up in the gut of an infant, or end up in the gut of a dog or a a bear, or end up changing the ability of soil to sequester carbon, therefore destroying the ability of regenerative agriculture to draw down the excess carbon. We are in a situation where at the very time that we're understanding the majesty and importance of the microbiome, we've created a technology that could destroy it that we're making it available to everyone because the biotech industry's main agenda right now is to convince governments that gene editing is so safe and natural, which it's not, that it should be entirely deregulated so they have no oversight, so anyone can gene edit anything and feed it to anyone and release it anywhere. And so this is why we at the Institute for Responsible Technology have shifted Our focus, yes, we're answering questions as we have today on the health dangers of GMOs and Roundup, but what we're producing going forward are information for the lawmakers around the world, for the scientists around the world, for curriculum developers around the world, for popular culture, for PR, for social media, on the dangers of genetically engineering the microbes. And we don't want any of them released. Keep them indoors, but if we're keeping things indoors, there's one class that we shouldn't even keep indoors. We shouldn't enhance through gain of function the potentially pandemic pathogens, which if they escaped, could decimate humanity through another pandemic with much greater death rate than we've seen. So those are the two goals of Protect Nature Now. No gain of function research on potentially pandemic pathogens, which if they escaped could cause major decimation, and no release of any GMO microbes on purpose anywhere and lock it down. So at Protect Nature now, you can watch a 16-minute video, but here's where we can work together. We have a link there for the advocacy platform. You go there, enter your your address, and all of your elected officials populate with a pre-populated message with that particular campaign. We've done five so far. We've reached thousands of elected officials with our white paper, with articles, with the film, So at any time you can go back and find a new campaign loaded with with educational materials about Protect Nature. Now you click it and send it, or you customize it and send it. You can tweet them, you can send it to five local media in your area as well in a few minutes. And what we found is the elected officials in Washington are now ready to meet with us. They see it. It is like the pandemic has opened the receptor cells to all things microbial. They're now understanding they need to do something to protect humanity from genetically engineered such and such. They need to protect nature from genetically engineered such and such. And now that the microbiome is so important and regenerative agriculture is so popular, we need to protect the microbes that do the heavy lifting. So we're at a particular situation now, we're in a great rush to, because once things are released, you can't recall them. And if we don't do anything, millions of new microbes will be released in this generation or the next, and we need to stop that now. So please go to Protect Nature now, watch the film, go to the advocacy platform, enter and participate. And if you can, please support our movement with a recurring monthly donation so we can use the money that we know is coming each month to hire the staff and fill out our organizational chart that we have built a year and a half ago, ready to take on this around the world And it's going to take us millions of dollars and a lot of allied organizations, and we don't have enough money. We only have about 60 allied organizations so far, so we can use your help.
0: It's a worthy cause. It really is. As soon as we sign off here, I'm going to go there. I'm going to do exactly what you said and email the legislators. And I'm going to sign up for a a monthly donation. I think this is so important. So those listening, do exactly what I'm about to do and go to the links in the notes below. So you have protectnaturenow.com to do the donation, to reach out to your legislators, watch that 60-minute film. You have livehealthybewell.com, which you have your podcast there, you have some films there, general information on glyphosate and specific. And then you have responsibletechnology.org to get a report on items, foods that contain glyphosate. Jeffrey, thank you so much for your work. We gotta do another session because there's so many things that I wanna talk about that we didn't get to. Um, Thank you for your work, it's very admirable. It's needed in this world. The thought of these things being released is scary and we got to do something about it, which you're doing and I l- would love to support and I hope those listening will support. So thank you. Is there anything else you wanted to mention before we sign off?
1: Yes, Ben, I want to say, I know why you're so popular now. Your preparation was great. Your questions were really on target and you got the the link, you understood the implications and brought it back to what your listeners can do. It was really exciting. I think the last thing I want to say is that the epidemic that had allowed GMOs out there in the first place was an epidemic that allows so many things out there, and that's the thought that it's not my responsibility, someone else will take care of it. So when I go around the world talking to other governments, I say, we don't have to evaluate GMOs, your FDA does. The FDA policy is saying, we don't have to evaluate GMOs, Monsanto does. And Monsanto rigs their research to avoid finding problems. So there's no one watching because everyone has said it's someone else's responsibility. And we get that from education system. We get that we give away our power there, we give away our power to government, to media, to so-called experts. So this is an opportunity right now where governments are being convinced by the biotech industry that there's no problem. So they're not the ones. Media has often missed this entirely. So they're not the ones. So, people are looking around saying, someone should handle it. Oh, someone else will handle it. I'm suggesting that we use this as an opportunity, as an antidote to this epidemic. And this is just one area where we take back the power and say, okay, I'll take responsibility. I can't do it all. I can't be Jeffrey working on it 24 7 for 25 years, but I'll support, I'll share information, I may make a donation, I'll watch the thing. And I will do what I can because I don't want to be part of the problem of offloading it onto others, onto the magic other, and then allowing it to continue.
0: Well said. One of the most easiest things somebody can do right now is share this episode. Like just text it to a friend, text it to somebody. And then, of course, go a step further and go to the websites and make the donation and make the emails. You once said that you cannot afford to eat non organic right that's the case a lot of people say i can't afford to eat organic the truth is like jeffrey has said in the past you can't afford not to human beings are the only species smart enough to create their own food and dumb enough to eat it we'll leave it at that (laughs) jeffrey thank you so much for your time i appreciate you my friend
1: thank you ben safe eating
0: i hope you enjoyed that discussion with jeffrey i told you it was going to be life changing. This is one of those episodes you're gonna you want to share with every single one of your friends and family. Copy the link, put it in a text message, share on your social media, get the word out there. Also, go check out the links and resources in the podcast notes. Like I said earlier in the intro, I went to all the links he mentioned. I signed up to donate to the cause on a monthly basis. You could do that or do a one-time donation. But also, there is the option to email your local legislators and let them know you want to stop them from genetically modifying our foods and using these detrimental processes that wipe out earth, wipe out health and are not doing any good for us. So check out the links and resources down below. We put everything for you. You can make a big difference by sharing it, going to those links, donating, emailing your legislators and also watching the films that he mentioned as well. If you got any value from this episode, please leave it a rating and review on Apple Podcast. It really does help the show grow. I want to thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. I'll see you on the next one.